Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Wyndham. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're talking about UFO warp drive. That's correct, UFO warp drive. Now, a group of scientists have come together and they think they might have an idea of what these UFOs are powering themselves on, how they're getting us so fast and what this all involves. And they're calling this a UFO warp drive where these UFOs can actually bend space and time and gravity and get from point A to point B faster than the speed of light. Now, one of the really well-documented sightings that they're using to uh, go forward with this theory on is what happened at the Chicago uh, International Airport there at O'Hare back in 2006. Now the UFO sighting over O'Hare International Airport in 2006 is a documented event that occurred on November 7th of 2006. And of course it remains a topic of interest. Now several employees including pilots and ground crew members reported witnessing a mysterious saucer-shaped object hovering above Concourse C of the airport. The object was described as metallic, disc-shaped, and reflective, with a distinct and powerful white light emitting from its center. The witnesses claimed that it remained stationary for several minutes at an estimated altitude of 1,500 feet and was clearly visible in broad daylight. The most striking aspect of the sighting was the sudden and dramatic departure of the UFO. According to accounts, the object shot up into the sky at an incredible speed, piercing through the cloud cover. The rapid acceleration left behind a distinctive hole in the cloud layer, adding to the credibility of the witness's claim. However, despite the numerous eyewitness testimonies and the unusual nature of the sighting, the event remains unexplained by conventional means, and skeptics have suggested various theories, just like they always do, such as weather phenomena, reflections, or optical illusions. But none of these ex explanations have been widely accepted. Now, the Chicago UFO sighting in 2006 continues to be a point of interest and debate among UFO enthusiasts, skeptics, and researchers, and now these scientists who think this could be an example of how these UFOs are traveling so fast and the way that they're doing it. Now, this first article comes to us from the uh, debrief.com, and this is one that we've used a lot, and it gives us a little more background of the sighting before we get into this theory. The article is written by Christopher Plain and Micah Hanks, and this is from May 2nd, 2023. It says, the Chicago O'Hare UAP incident, physics team's analysis offers a fresh look at this famous 2006 case. The article begins by saying, shortly after 4.15 p.m. Central Standard Time, on November 7, 2006, it might have seemed like any ordinary overcast winter afternoon for United Airlines employees outside of Gate C-17 at Chicago's 
O'Hare International Airport. Ordinary except for what looked like a hole in the sky above one of the country's busiest hubs for international travel. Visible in the 1,900-foot cloud base was an almost perfect hole, the apparent footprint left by a round, unidentified object that had been seen hovering there just moments earlier before it rapidly ascended, punching through the clouds on its departure. What unfolded over Chicago that afternoon would become one of the most talked about UAP incidents of the new millennia. Today, what is remembered as the 2006 O'Hare International Airport UAP incident also remains a stark reminder of the potential hazards that aviators face amidst reports involving unrecognized objects that seemingly invade America's most sensitive airspace with utter disregard for federal aviation ordinances. The Federal Aviation Administration, FAA, said nothing had been detected on radar that afternoon. Still, several employees and possibly even a few of the pilots and crew aboard outgoing flights all observed something in the skies above O'Hare. Now, remember this is 2006, so the internet wasn't nearly as developed as it is today. News didn't travel quite as fast. Most people still depended for the, depended on um, the television for the majority of their news. And so it was a lot easier for the FAA to clamp down on this story at that time and really uh, mitigate the effect that all these multiple eyewitnesses would have had by, if they were able to get out there in public and really spread this story. One of the earliest witnesses was a United Airlines employee assisting the pushback of a Boeing 737-500 from gate C-17. So they're moving this plane around outside there in the parking lot. As the witness would later tell investigators, he was, quote, compelled to look straight up for some reason and was startled to see the craft hovering silently. Upon seeing the object, the employee radioed to notify the United Airlines Zone 5 controller coordinator, then alerted the cockpit crew in the plane next to him about the object, who reportedly opened their windows to observe the object. And you got to wonder, he says, compelled to look straight up. So he compelled to look at this thing. We hear this so often. People, when they see these things, I just felt like I should look there. I just felt like I should go outside. I just felt like I should look up. I don't know if that's just our uh, human senses or spidey senses as some people call them just making us aware making us situationally aware of what's around us that's a good thing or if it's these things communicating with us somehow wanting us to make contact with them at that level to look at them to see them to observe them now what the motives are there who knows meanwhile another employee that would soon become a witness learned of the hovering object after hearing his co-workers discussing it over company radios quote i'm a management employee for a major airline was sitting in my office at around 16:30 on November 7th. What's that? 4:30 in the afternoon. When a when an employee made a radio call to our station operations center concerning an object hovering over gate C17. Then has a report. The witness later anonymously filed with the Seattle Washington-based UFO reporting center, New Fork. Now, if we go to that report they're talking about, we'll just read it here. It's from New Fork. I'll put a link there at the Buy Me Coffee website. You can go to the, the Buy Me Coffee website. As always, thanks to the people that make contributions over to their program. It's awesome. Thanks to the people that support on Spotify. Like, subscribe on whatever platform, on whatever platform you're at. Now, it says uh, the date on this is November uh, 7th, 2006. It says this entered 1630 to 1640. So 2.40 in the afternoon. It was reported 
it's like five days later, 11, six days later, 11, 13, 2006 at 2.54 in the afternoon. And it was posted December 7th, 2006. So I don't know why, but they waited three weeks to post this thing. It describes the objects as a disc. It says in duration, two minutes. And then it has a new fork note. It says, this report is a revised version of the original report submitted by this party or these parties. It was revised at New Fork's request in order to disguise the person submitting the report. Well, why would New Fork request that? The report accurately addresses the event, although we are satisfied that the person or persons who submitted the report cannot be identified from it. The above facts may be a synthesis of what dozens of individuals saw summarized by one or more persons who were witnesses to the activities surrounding the incident. I have problems with that sentence right there. I have problems with the fact that it was revised at New Fork's request. If this person wants to be public, then let them be public. It's, it's time to stop all this cloak and dagger nonsense. We would like to express our sincere gratitude to the source for the information provided, exclamation, exclamation. The information that has been shared with our center has proven to be flawlessly accurate as established by objective corroboration. This witness has indicated above that the event probably occurred at 1640 Central. We believe that 1630 is a more accurate estimate, and we have amended the time above to reflect that estimate. Official FAA tapes, if they can be obtained, should provide the exact time that the incident was reported to the O'Hare Tower PD. And then it says, disc seen, quote, disc seen hovering over O'Hare Airport. Many witnesses... FAA and TSA contacted about incident. I am a management employee for a major airline and was sitting in my office at around 16.30 on November 7th when an employee made a radio call to our station operations center concerning an object hovering over gate C-17 at O'Hare International Airport. I ran out of my office and saw a relatively small object hovering in place over C-17. The Met Air, that's M-E-T-A-R caps, was reporting OVC 1900, and I initially estimated the object hovering at about 1,000 feet. After about a minute, I saw the aircraft zip to the east and disappeared. I immediately called our operations center to confirm the sighting, and the FAA was contacted while I drove to the other concourse to talk with the witnesses. I spoke with an employee working that gate who said he was compelled to look straight up for some reason and was and was startled to see the craft hovering silently he then made the radio call and notified the pilots at the gate who opened the front windows and witnessed the object themselves so you got a guy on the ground you got a guy sitting there at the air and apparently they're on the ground in the airplanes these two pilots it says they opened their front windows and witnessed the object so we got three witnesses the employee stated the object was 500 to 1000 feet above the ground rotating and metallic in nature with no lights he said it looked like a frisbee and was directly above. The FAA reported no radar blips, and I believe the TSA was notified. Our shift manager was notified, and the incident was immediately reported to our WHQ operations center. All employees are very familiar with aircraft around the world's busiest airport. This is nothing we are familiar with. As a side note, it is probably unrelated. The next aircraft into that gate was experiencing electrical problems. Imagine that. So do you see do you see the cover up here? This is why you don't want to talk about it. If you want to go to see your grandma, 
your kid or whoever and get on an airplane, you have to take your shoes off, walk across a filthy mat, correct? Where all kinds of other people walk across. You have to put up with all the nonsense of TSA, having your body bombarded with it, with, with all sorts of radioactive material from an x-ray machine. Look it up. Stuff causes cancer. It's not even not even an argument. It's just, I think the last I read, it was like 1 in 10,000 can get cancer from these things. So you put up with all this nonsense. I don't even fly anymore. So your right to a uh, carefree, enjoyable trip on an airplane has been taken away from you. And the TSA is in charge of doing that because they're going to protect you. But they can't even see a giant UFO sitting on top of an international airport. Same with the FAA. They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be in charge of taking reports of these things. Really? That's your government. And so people say, well, why would the government want to cover this up? Well, the government would want to cover this up because it shows, number one, they aren't doing their job and they couldn't do their job even if they wanted to if their job is to protect us from these things. So people need to quit being children about this. They need to be adults and they need to understand that our rights are being violated. We're having uh, just a ton of inconvenience uh, put upon us for no good reason. And what this thing was seen, I remember when this thing was spotted. And it seems to me as if it was the government was doing everything they could to throw shade on this. Why? Because it exposes their ineptness, their incompetence, and their uselessness in so many different cases. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. It goes on a little bit here and says, I ran out of my office and saw a relatively small object hovering in place over C-17. The employee's count read, the METAR was reporting OVC-1900 and I initially estimated the object hovering at about 1,000 feet. After about a minute, I saw the aircraft zipped east and disappeared. At that time, the employer contacted his operations center attempting to confirm the presence of the object. Then while driving to the adjacent concourse to speak with the other witnesses to the events, the individual also contacted the FAA. Upon reaching the gate, the management employee spoke with the first witness who initially reported the object over the radio. The employer stated the object was 500 to 1,000 feet above the ground, rotating and metallic in nature with no lights. The new fork report reported, he said it looked like a frisbee and was directly above. All employees are familiar with aircraft around the world's busiest airport that report filed with Newfork added. This was nothing we are familiar with. Upon receipt of the report, Newfork Director Peter Davenport contacted John Hilkovich, a traffic reporter with the Chicago Tribune. Although the FAA stated that they had detected nothing on their radars, a FOIA request filed by Hilkovich would later reveal that there had been communications with air traffic control about the object. This is where it sounds a little sketchy to me. The Federal Aviation Administration said its air traffic control tower at O'Hare did receive a call from a United supervisor asking if controllers had spotted a mysterious elliptical-shaped craft sitting motionless over Concourse C of the United Nation of the United Terminal. Hickovich wrote in a column on January 1, 2007. No controllers saw the object, he added, and a preliminary check of radar found nothing out of the ordinary. FAA spokeswoman Elizabeth Isham Corey said, "Okay, if that's all true, why did this? Why did they happen to get a FOIA request from this journalist to report that? Why were they hiding that information?" 
That, that just doesn't sound believable to me. I'm sorry. Hickovich also interviewed several of the witnesses, including those who reached out to Newfork following their sighting. I tend to be scientific by nature, recalled one witness. A United mechanic who had been in the cockpit of a Boeing 777 taxiing to a maintenance hangar at the time of the incident. I don't understand why aliens would hover over a busy airport, but I know what I saw, the mechanic told Hukovic, and what a lot of other people saw stood out very clearly, and it definitely was not an Earth aircraft. He's got a point. Why would a UFO hang out over an aircraft? Oh, I don't know. Why would a dog pee on a fire hydrant? Maybe they're just telling you, hey, we're here, and there's nothing you can do about it. Whatever the object may have been that these witnesses saw just before sundown on November 7, 2006, remains unknown. However, details about the seemingly unearthly encounter, particularly the strange circular hole left in the clouds as the object departed, have caused some experts to wonder about the mechanics behind such an aircraft, if that's indeed what it, what it was, and how they might operate. It said, according to a group of more than 30 physicists, witness descriptions of the famous 2006 incident are suggestive in many ways of an advanced form of propulsion that may one day revolutionize space drive. This is what they call a case for warp drive. It kind of sounds like Star Trek. Applied physics first came to note in 2021 with the publication of a novel theory produced by its team member, which outlined the hypothetical function of a physical warp drive. Similarities between the concept outlined in the 2021 study, along with certain witness testimonies from the 2006 Chicago O'Hare UAP incident, prompted them to perform an analysis that they say revealed several aspects which seemed to match the characteristics expected of a craft employing a warp drive. Those similarities include the way the craft reportedly moved, along with other features that included its shape, lack of radar signature, and the way it seemed and the way it seemingly punched a hole through the cloud deck above as it left the scene. Members of the applied physics team the debrief communicated with are quick to note that the analysis is based purely on witness testimony and should not be conveyed as proof that what the witnesses observed was an extraterrestrial spacecraft or other technology employing a functional warp drive. However, the company's science team and their analysis do offer potentially meaningful context for the quality of the witness testimony regarding the 2006 Chicago O'Hare UAP incident. It also suggests that while still speculative, a craft displaying warp drive capabilities could be an explanation that best fits the majority of witness reports goes on, it says, Observation 1, the shape of the craft is described by witnesses. Notably, several witnesses to the 2006 UFO incident observed what was described as most closely resembling a disc or saucer-shaped craft hovering over gate C-17. Dr. Alexei Bobrik, Chief Science Officer at Applied Physics, told the debrief that a saucer-shaped craft with a cupola on top, which has been prominently reported in many UFO observations throughout the decades, would actually be an ideal shape for many known warp drive designs as proposed in the paper Introducing Physical Warp Drives, published by the Advanced Propulsion Laboratory. Applied Physics provided the debrief with a short scientific explanation for why a flatter shape is beneficial for, for Alcabier-like metrics, which can be viewed in the following slides, and they have a link to that. It says some models of warp drives space-time suggest the shape of the spacecraft 
and the resulting geometry of space-time bending would significantly reduce energy requirements, Marvick told the debrief. Depending on the specific design of the warp drive, the passenger-holding aircraft may benefit from a saucer or spherical shape per the laws of general relativity. Well, this might explain why the government's so uh, hot on not letting have people have nice up-close pictures of these things. Maybe they figure if the wrong people see what these things are designed like, that'll give them an idea of how to build one. I don't know. I mean, the, to me, they come in all sorts of shapes and sizes, and I think that some of these may be conforming to you know, the laws of physics at some level, as they're talking about here with this warp drive. But other of these things just seem like they're absolutely interdimensional and they're not, and the laws of physics as we know them are of little to no concern to them. Now, it says, secondly, the movement of Chicago's O'Hare UAP. In their analysis, the applied physics team said that there is no known aircraft that can hover in place and then accelerate directly upward at the extreme rate many of the witnesses identified. From the witness testimony, it seems reasonable to claim that a metallic object around 50 feet in diameter was hovering 1,500 feet above a passenger gate at an international airport within regulated airspace. Yeah, where was the TSA at? Where was the FAA? Take your shoes off, said Brandon Melcher, PhD, one of the physicists behind the team's analysis. After some time, the objects accelerated from zero to about 1,000 to 2,000 feet per second, almost instantaneously. Although some modern drones are capable of sudden fast vertical acceleration from a hovering position, most unmanned aerial vehicles currently in use do not bear the saucer-shaped appearance of the craft in question. With a few notable exceptions, with a few notable exceptions and none have been shown to accelerate at the speed many of the witnesses to the Chicago O'Hare UAP described. No, not even close. According to data available in the past on the 2006 incident, the airport's radar operations were unable to detect anything on their scopes corresponding to the target described hovering over Terminal C-17. It is interesting to note that the absence of any radar evidence of the object in this case, Melcher told the debrief, the Alcubierre warp drive also causes light rays approaching from behind to bounce off the bubble but away from their initial trajectory. According to Melcher, if this object were an Alcubierre or an Albuquerque warp drive, the radar cross-section would be incredibly small. One fascinating effect of warp bubbles is how they also explain the lack of radar signal, Melcher says. Light rays propagating from behind seem to diverge away from the bubble center, making masking its detec detection. This would explain why there was no radar ping to the object allegedly hovering over the passenger gate at ORD. If the light gets deflected away from the object, there will be no radar pings. That's fascinating that we can see this thing with the human eye, but radar, it, it just bounces right off of it and, and bounces away from it, so it's completely invisible. Now it goes on to number four, the hole in the clouds. Among the most novel aspects of the event, and one rarely reported in other UFO cases, involves a testimony that after the craft accelerated vertically, it left behind a distinct hole in the clouds. This component, according to the physicist at Applied Physics, is also consistent with a warp drive spacecraft. In our study of proposed, of proposed warp drive solutions, we have found that the Alcabir warp drive, the first warp metric, appears to induce behaviors that match the observed phenomena Melchon told the debrief. This warp drive acts as a focusing lens for material caught up in front of the craft. As the bubble passes through a given medium, 
the particles in front of it move along with the craft for some time, creating a hole due to the time mismatch between the at-rest particles traversing the width of the bubble and the time it takes the bubble to move through the cloud. So they're bending space and time. This would explain what's going on with these uh, USOs, these, uh, these unidentified submersible objects and how they can just fly into the water at these incredibly high speeds and there's no resistance from the water. It's moving that water away from it as it goes in, so it's creating almost like a tunnel. Now, it says, based on Melcher and the team's interpretation of warp drive theory, an aircraft that raced through a cloud bank like the one present at the time of the 2006 incident would likely produce a hole nearly identical to the one the witnesses described seeing at the time. The applied physics team does note, however, that there are well-known natural conditions that can also produce circular openings in clouds. There is a phenomenon called false streak holes or hole punch clouds, Mesher says. Sometimes clouds in the sky become supercooled. The temperature of the water vapor in the cloud is below freezing at this point, but no seed forms to induce freezing. When a plane or other object flies through such a cloud, it is possible that the pressure differential behind the wings or fins can create a drop of seed ice. The resulting rapid freezing of the cloud appears as a hole with a central bit of snowfall and the frozen cloud falls as snow for a little bit. Typical flight paths do not take ascending or descending planes directly over airport terminals, Melcher says, making such a method of departure for any kind of aircraft over one of the world's busiest airports a highly unusual and dangerous case. If a plane did indeed create the fall streak hole, it would represent one of the most severe violations of U.S. airspace ever recorded as it put thousands of civilian lives at risk. Well, yes, and where's your FAA? No, of course, this wasn't an airplane. The, the thing went straight up through the cloud. Whatever this UFO was, it punched a hole in the clouds and, and the hole remained there. Now, number five, reliability of witness testimony. It says the witness testimony that has been reported on and in the news bears a number of interesting features, Melcher told the team. Melcher and the team told the debrief. The first is a variety of professions and locations from which this object was allegedly seen. Remember, this is this is what you would call mass sighting. The main reports come from taxi mechanics near the C-17 gate above which this object hovered. There was at least one air traffic controller that heard reports of the object and inquired, and there was at least one observer who was driving into the airport and watched the object with the bystanders. Melcher and the team also noted that while all the reports bear resemblance to each other, they do not seem contrived and do not necessarily borrow elements from one to the other, but instead provide details that are consistent throughout. It appears most public witnesses did not know each other as well, Mitchell said, we cannot be 100% sure of eyewitness testimony, but those which have been preserved here do not contain major, major red flags as to reliability. Finally, it has a conclusion. It says, assessing the Chicago O'Hare UAP incident, UFO incident, the idea at applied physics concedes that with the data currently available, they cannot discount some earthly explanation a few of which may involve novel possibilities. One might include a U.S. stealth drone. Oh, yes, the magic stealth drone, which they know could explain the secrecy and cover-up surrounding the event. I'm going to stop right there. Now, I realize there's a lot of incompetence and stupidity in our government. You could, go, you could talk about it for days. But would they be stupid enough to fly one of these things over O'Hare Airport where it could cause a major uh, airline disaster? As dumb as they are, 
as dumb as some of them are, and I'm sure there's a lot of smart people in there too, but let's just say we get the dumbest people in the Department of Defense and put them in charge of this. They're very dumbest ones. Wouldn't there be one smart person that would say, you know, I don't think flying this giant drone over Chicago International Airport unannounced is a good idea. And secondly, how do they get that thing to travel at 2,000 feet per second? It goes on, it says, the applied physics team also offered their thoughts on the stigma surrounding incidents like the Chicago Air UAP, UAP case, especially for airline pilots and airport personnel who report them. Quote, the NARCAP report on the incident written within a few months of its occurrence made an interesting point about the stigma associated with reporting UAPs in the air transport and air defense industries, Melcher told the debrief. If an object like this truly existed, it could pose a significant security risk. By discrediting and belittling those who report such events, we risk overlooking something that could be real. Disparagement has never led to progress or the discovery of truth. Therefore, it is crucial to fund departments such as the All-Domain Anomaly Research Office, which collects vast amounts of data on UAPs to synchronize efforts across the branches of the Department of Defense. And I might add on to put up really crummy websites that don't really tell you much and to write articles uh, impinging the integrity of people without naming them by name when they go to Congress. Yeah. The only way to fully investigate sightings like this is to gather more data, Melcher concludes. The level of reluctance expressed by several witnesses should be a cause for concern, which is why we must remove the dangerous stigma. Look, there's this go-along, get-along bias. They make a lot of money as pilots. They don't want to lose their jobs. It's the same reason that people take their shoes off and walk across filthy floors while being forced to wear a paper mask that has a hole in it 10 microns wide with the virus that's one micron wide and call that science. Okay, it's social pressure. And this, we have, we have as a community uh, a big job ahead of us to overcome 50, 60, 70 years of bullying, of uh, social engineering, to make people afraid to talk about these things. People just want to fit in. They want to be normies. They take their shoes off and walk across a filthy floor for the same reason they don't report a UFO hovering over an international airport. They're afraid to rock the boat. It goes on, it says, pursuing the truth should be the norm, not suppressing facts and scientific discourse. The applied physics team cautions that they do not intend their observations to be interpreted to mean they have concluded an alien spacecraft employing warp drive was observed over Illinois in 2006. Such conclusions cannot be drawn solely from the witness reports and would require irrefutable physical data. I mean, really, they can see it right in front of their eyes. They can see all the reality of it. They can do the math and the engineering and they can figure it all out and they can say, yeah, this is what I saw. And they could have a 10,000 pound elephant sitting in their living room tearing up the furniture and they wouldn't admit they had an elephant in the living room until after it stepped on them. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.